Well, I'm pleased to say that my guest today is Richard Bennett. He is a former Roman Catholic priest for, I hope he'll forgive me, I don't remember the exact years, I think 22, 23 years. And now, of course, he is our Christian brother. He is the founder of Berean Beacon. And we have had Richard on the program many, many times dealing with a wide variety of issues having to do, of course, with the main topic of the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope. And he has also shared his experiences with us in the Roman Catholic Church and his conversion to Christ. Well, I want to first thank you, Richard, for being with us today. And if you don't mind, I want to get right to this subject at hand, which is the Vatican's promotion of theistic evolution, which, of course, is very much to the devil's liking, as the atheistic world is celebrating 150 years of Darwinism. Papal Rome, of course, is using that to it's just a mockery of our God, and they're using it for their own advantage. And, of course, Richard, you've written an in-depth paper on this very issue. And before we get into that very subject, I just want to, again, thank you for being on the heart of the matter. It is great to be with you and to contend for the faith as the Lord has commanded us to do. Well, we certainly need faith contenders in this day and age. And we have so much ground to cover. So my plan is to ask you some key questions. And other than that, I'm going to stay out of the way because you put a lot of work into this particular issue and preparing for this. And I want to make sure we get everything on now. It would be good to begin then, if you could, with contrasting the doctrine of creation as revealed in the Word of God and theistic evolution. Well, the account of creation is clearly outlined in the very first verse in the Bible, where it is proclaimed in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This verse is the embryo of all that follows in God creating life in six literal 24-hour consecutive days. As is stated in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. The Almighty God is the maker of heaven and earth. The strength of faith which Scripture emphasizes is based on trusting God's written word regarding his work of creation. As is so beautifully explained in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things, so that things which are seen were made of things which do not appear. The visible part of creation, the worlds that were framed by the word of God, the earth adorned with grass and flowers, the heaven decorated with stars and planets. This is what the word of God is here telling us about. Great order is manifest in the different forms of creation so that using scripture again we proclaim, O Lord, How manifold are thy works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. The author and cause of all this great work is the almighty God. The wisdom of God and the glory of God are seen in his creation. Again to proclaim the words of Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens 
declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Theistic evolution is a attempt to mix evolutionism with faith in God. It is a belief or presupposition that God used evolution to create the world. God supposedly created the initial materials, arranged the natural laws, and guided the whole evolutionary process. Life supposedly originated from non-living chemicals. All forms of life that now exist supposedly developed from a first one-cell organism by mutation and natural selection over the course of millions of years. By adding theism to such notion, to such notions or speculations, by adding the concept of God, it is expected that at least philosophically there is an imprimatur of respectability has been provided to cover the fact that theistic evolutionism is really evolutionism. However, due to the exclusion of the biblical account of creation, it is based solely on the changing imaginations of those who adhere to it. Theistic evolution does not explain the origin of life. Even it does not discuss the origin of life from inorganic materials. One cannot mutate without life, first of all, already existing. Inorganic chemicals do not mutate. That is a verifiable scientific fact. So we have uh, this uh, whole explanation of the suppositions of theistic evolution, and it is a diametrical contrast to the biblical, uh, biblical explanation that it is God Almighty who created the worlds that we now see. Now, Richard, speak to the listeners next, if you will, about theistic evolution's derivation and history. Yet the starting point of theistic evolution can be traced back to the pagan philosopher Aristotle that was incorporated into Roman Catholic theology in medieval times. The most famous uh, Roman Catholic theologian Thomas Aquinas in the 13th, 13th century accepted the pagans' philosophical premise of the first mover. And therefore, he wrote, uh, accepted this in his Summa Theologica, these are his exact words, Thomas Aquinas said, Therefore, it is necessary to arrive at a first mover, put in motion by no other, and this everyone understands to be God. That is what I had learned myself um, back in the um, preparing for the priesthood, and I had spent uh, three years studying uh, Aristotle, and then, of course, four years studying Thomas Aquinas. Now, this idea of a first mover... Uh, being uh, accepted as a as God is um, is an impersonal description of who God really is. The triune God revealed in the pages of Scripture. It is an absolute light on the biblical concept of God. But that's where it all began. In modern times, the first explicit uh, mention of theistic evolution 
was in the official encyclical letter of Pope Pius the Twelfth in nineteen fifty. He wrote the following words, exact quotation. The teaching authority of the Church does not forbid research and discussions on the part of men experienced in both fields to take place with regard to the doctrine of evolution insofar as it inquires into the origin of the human body as coming from pre-existent living matter. For the Catholic faith obliges us to hold that souls are immediately created by God. That was the 1950 encyclical by the Pope Pius XII. So it is that the Catholic Church has advocated uh, theistic evolution going back to Thomas Aquinas and then in uh, fairly recent times, 1950, um, being accepted by the Pope Pius XII. Now the Catholic Church has since that time incorporated theistic evolution into many of its different studies. For example, there is a Catholic study Bible that was published in the year 1990. The Catholic study Bible taught that the biblical account of creation used a number of mythical sources from Mesopotamia. The Catholic Bible made room for the evolutionary theory regarding creation. In their commentary, the biblical account of creation is not authoritative and true. Rather, the primary authority is the ever-changing piecemeal collection of literature from mythical sources of Mesopotamia. Now, I give the exact place where I quote from the Catholic uh, Study Bible in the article that I have written on our webpage so people can see that I'm not speculating or giving mm-hmm. exact quotations from the Roman Catholic Study Bible 1990. In contrast to what the uh, Catholic Study Bible said, creation and the accounts in the Bible are true. Christ Jesus said emphatically, sanctify them through thy uh, truth, thy word is truth. The Lord was talking about uh, all the declarations in the Bible, the statements that are made by the Holy Spirit in the written word of God. All are true, including the statement, of course, on creation. But the Vatican has a different basis. We know from the New Catechism that they do not look to Scripture alone for revelation. They look also to what they call the sacred tradition as well as Scripture. They do not base themselves on Scripture alone. They base themselves on tradition as well as the written word of God. And when there comes a conflict between the two, of course, they run with their traditions. In 1996, uh, the then Pope, John Paul II, uh, held a philosophic uh, discussion on this, and he wrote afterwards saying just what the official position of the Vatican was. He stated, and here again is an exact quotation, the magisterium of the church takes a direct interest in the question of evolution because it touches on the concept of man whom revelation tells us is created in the image and likeness of God. Pius XII underlined the essential point. If the origin of the human body comes 
through living matter which existed previously, the spiritual soul is created directly by God. End of quotation from Pope uh, John Paul II. Thus, in 1996, like the Pope in 1950, uh, these two popes hold for theistic evolution as long as um, they see man uh, coming from matter that previously existed. So it's um, it's a uh, an emphasis that they put on the um, existence of uh, of matter that previously existed. The way that the um, the biblical account is much more precise and different. It is not that there was a previous living matter that previously existed that uh, Pius XII went back to, but it was the dust of the earth that the scripture says. Thus we have in in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, and the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So it is really an example of the Roman Catholic Church twisting uh, their um, ideas to suit themselves according to their tradition. Uh, The Pope's living matter, which previously existed, serves as an entry point for them into evolutionism. Thus, the Roman Catholic theistic evolution now holds that uh, God used living matter which previously existed. The Bible says emphatically that God used the dust of the ground. And uh, the Catholic Church uh, takes this liberty in many things just to uh, forward their own traditions and not the written word of God. Well, Richard, you have um, given us some good historical background there, and you've mentioned, as you've been giving it several times, that you have documented these things. These are actual statements, and I know with everything you write, you document things. I think that's so very important that we don't uh, make leaps of logic or we hear something you know, bad against the Roman Catholic Church, so we just grab it. Things need to be documented. That church is bad enough. We don't have to make things up, and I appreciate that you always document everything very well. But now you've shared some history. This brings us to the Project Science, Technology, and the Ontological Quest. And you're going to explain what that is. And, of course, the Vatican's current position on evolutionism. So go ahead and talk about those things. Yes, this um, massive title for the Project Science, Technology, and the Ontological Quest was a project that has been launched um, by the Vatican, and its purpose is to bring about an integration of science and religion that can be traditionally understood, and that is a quotation from the project. The project's current plan includes the exchanging of ideas with major worldwide groups in the area of what they call science and religion. Thus, under the auspices of a the Pontifical Council of Culture, the project co-sponsored an international conference to mark the 150th anniversary of Charles Darwin's book, The Origin of the Species. 
it held a five-day conference in Rome at uh, Rome's Pontifical Gregorian University from March the 3rd to the 7th, 2009. The title of the conference was Biological Evolution, Facts and Theories, a Critical Appraisal 150 Years After the Origin of the Species. Now, this has been written about by newspapers across the world, and these can still be found on the Internet. For example, the London Times declared, quotation, Monsignor Gianfranco Ravassi, head of the Pontifical Council for Culture, which co-organized the conference, said there was, quotation, no a priori incompatibility between evolution and the message of the Bible. The head of the Pontifical Council could take this position because his primary authority is not the Scriptures alone, but Scripture and tradition. The Times went on to further note, quotation, the Vatican has rejected the claim by Richard Dawkins, the biologist and campaigning atheist, that evolution proves that God does not exist, for claiming that, on the contrary, Darwinism, evolution, and the account of of creation in Genesis are perfectly compatible. So they are uh, they are complementary to each other, according to um, this um, quotation. Uh, from the London Times, that was their their conclusion when they saw the uh, what had been published after this t- conference took place. It is not surprising that the Vatican uh, conference firmly rejected uh, any presentation at the conference by creationists and for those who hold for intelligent design in creation. The organizers called these positions extreme. Uh, Saverio Forestiero, a member of the conference's organizing committee, declared that, quotation, intelligent design is certainly not discussable in the scientific, philosophical, and theological fields. He, in saying this, that it's certainly not discussable in scientific, philosophical, and theological fields, he demonstrated the prejudice that they had against intelligent design. The Pope's main spokesman for all of this is the head of the Congregation of Doctrine of the Faith. It was the position that the present Pope had himself before he became Pope, and he is currently William Levada, the Pope's chief spokesperson. In his opening address, he spoke against fundamentalist Christians who in the United States want to teach uh, in their schools the biblical account of creation alongside or instead of evolutionism. Now, the news of this has been carried across the world and Catholic News Services, including the Catholic News Service called the Catholic News Service, headlined this approval under the title Evolution and Faith Complementary. Cardinal Levada, and they went on to state in their news report, speaking outside a Vatican conference on Charles Darwin's origin of the species, Cardinal William Levada has said there is a wide spectrum of room for belief in both the scientific basis for evolution 
and faith in God the Creator. We believe that, however, creation has come about and evolved. Ultimately, God is the Creator of all things, he said. End of quotation from this Catholic news service. And this is a, a real strong upholding of theistic evolution by the official spokesman for the Pope, Cardinal uh, Nevada. However, what he says is biblically untenable. It is not correct. There is a foundational flaw in his argument that there is room for both scientific basis for evolution and faith in God as creator. First of all, because there is no scientific basis for evolutionism. Scientific study is observations that are made of the natural world. It is done by perceiving patterns and regularities in the observable world and things that can be seen. These observations are interpreted within a worldview under which they become a basis for proposing hypothesis to explain them. Now, when it comes to the creation and origin of life, there are no observations to be made since no one was alive at that time. Therefore, so-called scientific studies in these areas are simply uh, manifestation of people's presuppositions and assumptions. So there is no scientific evidence uh, that they speak about. And looking at some of the quotations from the papers that were presented uh, at the conference, uh, it is quite clear that these presuppositions are evident and there was no scientific evidence whatsoever. Well, absolutely, and I think it would be very worthwhile if you would give us some examples of these presuppositions. Of course, these are things presented as fact, but there are no evidence to uh, back them up. If you could give us some of the presuppositions of the writers at the conference. Yes, I would, um, I would give them. These are actually found on the Internet still, and on our written account you can get the exact place where I give a fuller... Um, reading of the, um, the, the excerpts from the uh, presentations than I do here, but the full uh, record yeah. can be found. Let's remind people, this is a, a Roman Catholic, this is a church conference, essentially, right? It is a church conference. Yeah, we want to make sure they're we reminded. We have a Catholic people yeah. giving their uh, so-called scientific uh, understanding yeah. of what happened. I, I quote, first of all, from Simon Conway Morris in his paper, he wrote, Darwin understood the central importance of the fossil record to his theory of evolution. And since then, many extraordinary finds have dramatically confirmed the genius of his insights. Nevertheless, the reality of evolution is not in, in dispute. Problems remain. And then Stuart A. Newman in his paper wrote, quotation, Ancient animals arose from unicellular organisms with millions of years of, ev of genetic evolution behind them. Eves Coppens wrote, Three million years ago or a little less, a climatic change happened in the whole world. It was a drought in tropical areas, a cooling elsewhere. In tropical Africa, 
or elsewhere, the fauna had to react to try adaptations to the new environment to survive. Some animals became extinct. Some left the country. Some arrived and, and some, most of them, actually found successful answers to the situation. Now, suffice to say, that last statement by Eve Coppins and Newman and Morris, these are all just uh, speculations. Mm-hmm. They, they are not scientific fact, and there's no evidence for anything that they claim. Uh, it is uh, just their imaginations, like um, where the first quotation from Morris said, Darwin understood the central importance of the fossil record in his theory of evolution. You know, that this is all speculation. There is, there is no such uh, fossil record to prove evolution. It is all speculation, and these are, these are just speculations and assumptions, and uh, their presuppositions will try to come up with ways to uh, try and uh, make believe that they have science where they do not have science whatsoever. Well, of course, with this issue, as with so many other very, very important issues, including the salvation of souls, the new creation, one might say, there's just a shocking contempt for the Word of God and a rejection of the Word of God by uh, the Pope and those that stand with him in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, when it comes to papal Rome, there's always an agenda involved, and there's a larger agenda than what you see even. And, of course, if we were to just put a general title on it, it would be the advance of Antichrist in his church. But with this particular issue, this conference, theistic evolution, there is an ecumenical aspect, an agenda to it, isn't there? Yes, and this has been very clearly spelled out by the Vatican. They have very clearly laid out what their ecumenical purposes are in general, and then when it comes to scientific, political or technological issues. So I'd like to read from the official Vatican Council two documents, and I'm reading from uh, document number 42 and section 2. Quotation, ecumenical dialogue is not limited to an academic, academic or purely conceptual level, but rather a striving for more complete communion between the Christian communities a closer collaboration on the level of thought and action. It serves to transform modes of thought and behavior and the daily life of those communities. In this way, it aims at preparing a way for their unity of faith in the bosom of a church, one and visible. Thus, little by little, the obstacles to perfect ecclesial communion are overcome. All Christians will be gathered in a common celebration of the Eucharist, into that unity of the one and only Church. This unity, we believe, dwells in the Catholic Church as something she can never lose, and we hope will continue to increase until the end of time. So their purposes are little by little to woo Christian communities to come to join the one church that they say is the Catholic Church. Now they get explicit in section 7 of the same document as regards how these things are to be worked out, the modus operandi of how things are to be worked out. Quotation, groups of lay people 
will also meet to face in the light of Christian faith questions raised by their profession or occupation, problems of law, medicine, politics, business, technology, scientific research, the social sciences. They will readily call upon experts for questions which are beyond the competence of non-specialist participants. The organization and conduct of such meetings can, of course, be entrusted to specially trained laymen who will, where necessary, call upon the theologians. And so they very uh, clearly tell you that uh, they are willing to uh, bring in trained people in different fields so that they can bring out their agenda and uh, that these trained laymen can call on the Roman Catholic theologians uh, eventually so that everything is interpreted according to the Roman Catholic way of understanding. So this is the the way the Vatican has accepted theistic evolution, and it fits within this second quotation of section 7 of document number 42 of Vatican II documents, and... Uh, it is now reaching out to six major Catholic universities across the United States where they are promoting theistic evolution and uh, trying to uphold these so-called scientific uh, presuppositions as if they were scientific. And so their definition of trained laymen or the people that spoke at the conference, the laymen, and uh, it all came under the auspices of uh, Rome itself and their theologians. So it is that we have uh, Rome using its ecumenical power to try and persuade others of its position. And of course they don't even try to persuade true fundamentalists. I mean, I'm talking about evangelical fundamentalists. Protestants in the truest sense of the word, they've written them off. I've read some of these encyclicals and other documents and when they talk about ecumenism, they realize they're not going to get together with us, but they're looking at, of course, uh, neo-evangelicals, the various apostate Protestant faiths, and so on and so forth. And I suppose this theistic evolution softens their image there, the Vatican, the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope's image with the world as well. But, of course, all of this has consequences. Now, what are your thoughts concerning the consequences of the Vatican's ungodly theistic theory of evolution? The consequences are calamitous. The agenda of the Vatican leads to a totally corrupted view of um, who God is and it uh, totally takes from the true worship of God as he is revealed as creator and sovereign God in the Bible. And it, it presents uh, to the world and to those that it's trying to inveigle into its own system a God who was a first cause and the Vatican theistic evolution requires death and the survival of the fittest for millions of years before man came on the scene. That is the presuppositions of evolutionism as such, and it's theistic evolutionism. It requires death. In this system that is advocated by papal Rome, death is not the enemy, but is the very means by which God administers everything. Now, that is totally unbiblical. In the Bible, we're told that the wages of sin is death. Death came into the world by Adam's sin, as it is explained in the scripture. By one man, 
sin entered into the world and death by sin. God is omnipotent. And to propose that he had to use death and the struggle for existence and the survival of the fittest is inconsistent with the biblical concept of who God is. It is a a diminution or a real abhorrent presentation of a God that is not the God of the Bible. The God of Rome's theistic evolution merely makes death and survival building blocks that their supposed God uses to guide evolution. And uh, this God's uh, wisdom and power differ only in degree from man's because it is using all sorts of inept things that are not true. And this uh, theistic God is totally different from the God of the Bible. The scripture reveals God as, quotation, the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God. Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he had pleased. And that is the God of the Bible. It is not an inept God waiting and trying to use death and survival of the fittest and all these millions of years to bring in some sort of a a creation that has used uh, all of these things that are unbiblical. Death comes after Adam's sin, not beforehand. And this is one of the huge lies of theistic evolution. And it brings about a, a blasphemous concept of God that is not the God of the Bible. Now, the scripture shows that the disobedience of one man made all sinners. And the scripture still says, whosoever committed sin transgresses the law for sin is the transgression of the law. The Bible states that mankind is dead in trespasses and sins, and it's only persons who realize that they are spiritually dead and sinful that they need a savior. So this is um, very serious, and it is calamitous, as I said, because their type of God, using death over millions of years, takes from the whole concept of death coming about the sin bringing about death and, uh, because of Adam's sin. And the focus is taking, taken off the fact that death came because of sin. And uh, they have God using death and, and the survival of the fittest and all these other uh, unproved suppositions that produce a lie that in actual fact clouds and overshadows the real salvation message of the gospel. Well, we we have a very big issue that we're touching on now uh, that you've gotten into, and of course we only have so much time, but maybe you'd like to just share a few more words with the listeners on a very large subject. Talk a little bit about what the Vatican officially teaches then, and and of course you would certainly know, concerning uh, salvation and man. Yes, they teach officially in their uh, Vatican II document called Gaudium and Space that Man is able to know and love his creator. And they teach that the condition of man is to be wounded and not dead in trespasses. Since I'm quoting from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 417. Adam and Eve transmitted to their descendants the human nature wounded by their own first sin and hence deprived of original goodness and justice. This deprivation is called original sin. So uh, rather than what the Bible says, that man is dead in trespasses and sins, 
they see that man is simply wounded, and that's a different concept whatsoever. And then they they declare in the Catechism, paragraph 406, the first Protestant reformers on the contrary taught that original sin has radically perverted man and destroyed his freedom. They say that the first Protestant reformers thought differently than they do. Well, the first Protestant reformers went back to what the scripture says, that the wages of sin is death. They saw man as dead in trespasses and sins. But this is a totally different premise, and that's what the Catholic Church keeps emphasizing. I would like to give it their precise definition of what man's condition is. Quotation, man has been wounded by sin. When he is drawn to think about his real self, he turns to those deep recesses of his being where God, who probes the heart, awaits him, and where he himself decides his own destiny in the sight of God. And that is a horrendous message. It's saying that your condition is wounded by sin, and then in your own heart you decide your own destiny. Man is not wounded, he is spiritually dead. No one decides their own destiny. By grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I'm quoting from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And so, for a church to officially state that you can decide your own destiny and that your condition is only to wounded and not spiritually dead, is to take from beloved people who are lost the very gospel message. And that's how serious it is, and it should really really hit our hearts deeply so that we would have love for the lost and Catholics in particular to give them the true gospel message so that the gospel is not stolen from them and that they see themselves as dead in sin and they look to God to save them, not within their own human heart, but looking to Christ who is the author and finisher of our faith. For by grace are we saved. And this is most serious and I, I really urge people to get the message of the true gospel out so that we do not have this blasphemous message propagated uh, to people who are lost so that they become more lost having heard this type of a message. Well, it's just a shocking thing when you read that. He himself decides his own destiny. I mean, what a shocking thing to read and to hear read from the Roman Catholic Church when what resonates in our mind? There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Salvation belongs to God, not to man. But we, um, we need to, um, I guess, wrap up. You've given us so many different things to think about here and such valuable information. What would you like to share in closing? I would like to share that... Uh while, um, you know, the ecumenical churches and the merging church and other false churches will run readily and accept Rome's theistic uh, evolution, there are some staunch, real Bible-believing churches that can be tempted. They say this is a acceptable middle ground. And they, they uh, really uh, say, well, we should really consider this, that we could accept... Uh, evolution and accept God as creator at the same time and the Roman Catholics have done so at a huge conference in Rome 
Uh, I have had emails about that since I put this on our webpage, and it's uh, it is a real temptation. So we've got to come back to what the Scripture says. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and we have the certainty of God's word in Scripture. And as it says in Hebrews chapter one, verse ten, "Thou, o Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth." The heavens are the work of thine hands. We come back to the fact that it is God who created. This is the biblical statement. This is the biblical heritage that we have as Christians. And on this we stand and give praise, glory, and worship to God. And pray for the salvation of the lost. That they would see the lost condition. Cry out to God for his grace. And he is faithful. And believe on Christ alone through the praise of the glory of his grace and know the everlasting life that Christ Jesus alone gives. And we praise God that many, many thousands of people year by year do that and come out of this system and its lies and come into the marvelous light of the gospel of Christ and give praise and glory to the God of creation and to Christ Jesus, the Savior of the new creation by which we share everlasting life in him. Amen. And I want to thank you, Richard. Uh, Bennett, and also I want to give out your website because, of course, this particular issue we've been talking about, there's more information on your website about that, but uh, you have so much having to do with the Roman Catholic Church, contrasting it to what the Word of God says, and it's such a valuable resource. And we will just uh, encourage people to check that out at www.bereanbeacon.org. It is www.bereanbeacon.org. Also, we had mentioned you, of course, being a Roman Catholic priest, I believe a Dominican, if I'm not mistaken. And That's correct, yes. If a listener would like a written copy of your testimony, we will let them know they can find that by, or they can get it by calling Chapel Library. It's titled From Tradition to Truth, A Priest Story. And they can call Chapel Library and request that 850 Six 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 again. Area code eight five zero four three eight six 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 six. Richard Bennett, thank you so much for sharing these things with us today on the heart of the matter. Thank you. Praise the Lord.